are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7400. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw at ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thursday on a bye week. What are we even working towards? Expecting Auburn to win the Ole Miss game. We're just kind of building up towards that at this point. And also the potential of an upset-laden college football where Auburn... That's not a problem for them because they're not playing. Can't get upset if you're not playing. Yeah, and I don't think that, uh, you know, as an Auburn fan, I look at this upcoming schedule and you say, eh, not only is Auburn not playing, but there's probably not a lot of games I'm going to tune into. If you've not heard, if you've been living under a rock during this college football season, at least five AP Top 25 teams have lost every single week of the season. So while you may look ahead and you may be like me and, and you may be saying, oh, we're going to beat Ole Miss next week, let's just go ahead and look towards that and get excited about that. Don't forget, there are some things in the SEC that could happen this weekend that could shake up the standings potentially. LSU Ole Miss, South Carolina, Texas A&M. I'm excited to talk about the slate of games. You chuckle, you just wait. I was about to say Tennessee covering. No, it's not good. <laughs> we'll tell you which teams, which other four teams that we have on upset alert on today's edition of On the Line from 2 to 4 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also, to you in the future, listening to us on the podcast we salute you. Thank you for listening, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We're going to start off the show today, though, talking about what areas we think Auburn needs to improve in the most. Let's rank these. Going into the show, I didn't think about that, but it just occurred to me in my head. Let's rank it. Let, everybody's talking right now about what areas Auburn needs to improve on during the bye week. Let's change that conversation a little bit, and let's rank it and tell people which ones we think are the most important, and let's start... At the top of that list, what is the most important area of concern, do you believe, for Auburn to improve upon with five games left in the season? I think it's continuing to improve on the communication on the defensive side of the football, specifically in the secondary. I know Auburn's not the worst passing defense in the conference. They're sitting at ninth right now in passing yards allowed per game, giving up about 217 yards passing per game. But I would like to see them continue to improve on that communication. Arkansas, not the best passing offense in the nation. They kind of like to run the ball a lot, but they were able to throw a little bit on Auburn, and it kind of felt like, and I've used this term a lot, and I know it kind of is getting repetitive, but Auburn just kind of bled yardage, especially on third downs against Arkansas. When Arkansas wanted to go to the air, they wanted to pick it up. Somebody was open. Typically, it was Traylon Burks. I'd like to see Auburn kind of handle their business in the defensive backfield. I know they're not giving up the explosive play consistently, but we did see it a couple of times last week against Arkansas, and it's not as much of a concern as it was, I don't think, against Penn State just a few weeks ago. I think Auburn's cleaned some stuff up in the defensive backfield, but still, I think it's my number one area of concern is that I think that there are other issues which we will get to that are less concerning than this. And at the end of the day, I think this could harm Auburn the most in terms of what they want to do on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to say the most important thing for Auburn to do over the course of this bye week and for them to improve upon 
over the last five weeks of the season. If Auburn wants to achieve their goals, which at this point, their only goal should be to beat Ole Miss. You beat Ole Miss, and I said this yesterday, it's a stepping stone season. It is a staircase to success for Auburn. You have to win each week, and I'm not being cliche. I know the whole 1-0 mentality with this team. It's a week-by-week thing, but truly, that is the case for this Auburn team because the Texas A&M game does not matter nearly as much in my mind if you don't beat Ole Miss. You got to beat Ole Miss to make each and every game more and more important to set up Auburn for the chance to go to the SEC championship. Then again, if you lose to Ole Miss that A&M game, you need to win it so that the season doesn't derail, of course. So I guess that's still true. But I meant that from the standpoint of trying to get to an SEC championship or at the end of the season where you're playing Alabama, at least for that game in the Iron Bowl to be for the SEC West title. And I think the most important thing for Auburn in order to be able to achieve that is receiver play. I think chemistry still needs to be built between Bo Nix and his receivers. They need to continue to work on route running, getting open, running crisper routes. That too works with that chemistry there with Bo Nix. We saw that at peak performance, peak level, peak play in the Arkansas game. Also, cut out the drops. And they did that all but one drop in the Arkansas game. And that was a tough catch for Landon King to make anyway. So if they continue to improve in those areas, I think you see this offense live up to the name of being multiple. It's going to bring guys out of the tackle box. It's going to help Auburn's rushing attack. And if Auburn can sustain drives on the offensive side of the football, something that they have been able to do at times this year, I believe coming out of the Georgia game, we were talking with Zach Blackerby last week. He said that Auburn had one of the best, if not the best, yards per drive marks in the entire conference I think it was sitting at around seven they've already been able to sustain drives pretty well without a balanced offensive attack if they're able to add the passing game to it now all of a sudden they will sustain drives and they will score points that's going to take a lot of pressure off of that defense and for me and yes it is important pass coverage is on my list but I feel like the offensive issues could prevent Auburn from getting where they want to be at more so than the defensive issues at this point. Absolutely, yeah. And that was what I had listed as my second reason, is getting more out of the receiving core. It's the second most important thing Auburn needs to do to improve during this bye week. Like you mentioned, the the, the drop passes that Auburn's had consistently so far this season, the routes have not been the mo- the, the, the crispest. The, the, physical, the physicality of this receiver room, I don't think has been there consistently so far this year, but we got to see it this past weekend against Arkansas. We saw them cut down on the drops. We saw Shed Jackson go up and get some physical third third down catches. It was major improvement last weekend. I'd like to see that this Auburn receiver room continue to do that because it's exactly what you said. The moment that happens, this offense becomes more multiple, comes more versatile. It opens up the playbook, and I think it opens up uh, another reason that we're going to talk about later, which is the running game. It, it, it's really important that Auburn's able to get the ground game going as well, and part of that has to do with the receivers catching the passes that, passes that uh, Nick throws. Let's head to the phone lines now. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We're taking your calls all show long, and we've got Shane with us now. Shane, how's it going, my man? Hey, guys. Doing going well. How are y'all doing today? We're doing really well. Hey, I got a I comment and a question for you. Go for um, it. comment is I, I, I think that the, the most improved, I mean, what we need to improve or, or continue to improve is, is what you, you just said, the, the receivers. That, that will open up. It seems like the, the O-line has 
kind of stabilized. And, and yeah, the, 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 the receivers did have one good game, but, like, that, that was – I've only seen one good game from them, like, as a group. So if they got, these guys can, can continue to gel and catch the ball, then it, it, it takes pressure off of running backs, the O-line, and Bo did. It takes pressure off him, like, literally, and it takes pressure off him, like, like from – crowds that are just like just bombing the guy because he can't he's not accurate but 50 percent of those are drop passes so not really you know, his fault for a, for a lot of them um that's what i gotta say about that and then i had a, a question so this is like a what if kind of thing if if big ifs if we are undefeated uh, you not undefeated but if we don't lose again until the iron ball and, and Alabama has two losses. Then, if if they beat us, do they still go? Like like how how does that tiebreaker work? If if one team has one loss, the other team has two losses, and the two loss team beats you. Now you both have two losses, so the tiebreaker still goes to the winning team. So you let the guy win. It doesn't matter if you lose. So we can technically lose another game and beat Alabama. And they would still have two losses, both of us, and we got a tiebreaker. Is that right? Right. Like if Auburn loses to, and I said this, I, it would be, it would not be optimal if Auburn loses to Ole Miss, and I, it right. would take me a little bit for me to go down that rabbit hole. But let's just say it would not be good for Auburn to lose to Ole Miss this weekend right. because Ole Miss has just the one SEC loss, and I don't think that they're going to lose again outside of Auburn. But A&M, say if Auburn loses to A&M and they have two losses and Bama has just one loss going into the Iron Bowl and then Auburn beats Alabama and Auburn finishes with two losses, Alabama's got two losses, then Auburn holds the tiebreaker over Alabama with the head-to-head. Ole Miss in this scenario would have three SEC losses at that point. So that that's how that shakes out. Um, but... You know, it's it, it. I don't know what happens if there's a three-way tie. So it, it's just better if Auburn doesn't lose again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, that's all I got to say about that, guys. Uh, y'all, have a good show. Break. Appreciate it, Shane. War Eagle to you as well. That was Shane on the line with us. And if you want to join in, call in at 334-321-1390. That's how you can call into the show. Lance. Help me break that down because yep. I'm about to bring up the SEC standings. And Ole Miss is the team that isn't really being talked about a whole bunch and why I keep saying Auburn is – that that's the game Auburn cannot lose. Auburn does not need to lose to Ole Miss. Ole Miss 5-1 and one at this point, just one loss in the conference. If Auburn loses to Ole Miss next Saturday, I don't see Ole Miss losing another game – on their schedule down the stretch. I mean, the toughest team that they'd play after Auburn in the conference is against Texas A&M, which they could lose, but I still think that Ole Miss is better than everybody left on their schedule with the exception of Auburn. Let's say Auburn beats Ole Miss, hands Ole Miss their second loss of conference play, and then Alabama doesn't lose again. Auburn goes on, wins out, then Auburn would go to the SEC championship in that scenario. So right now, Auburn lose, Auburn owns their own destiny at this point. I will amend my statement. I don't think Auburn can lose again. I would not want to get into a three-way tiebreaker mm-hmm. with Ole Miss and Alabama. That's why I said that to Shane. Because if Auburn, like I said, I don't think Ole Miss is losing another game. If Auburn loses to A&M but beats Ole Miss, Ole Miss has two losses 
in SEC play at the end. Auburn would have two losses in SEC play in the end, and Alabama would have two losses in SEC play at the end. I'm right in saying that, correct? Yes. And then I don't know how that tiebreaker shakes out. Well, I think the way that the tiebreaker shakes out is Ole Miss would then have lost to both Auburn and Alabama, the teams that they are tied with. So Ole Miss is then third in and the And Auburn SEC. would have the tiebreaker over Alabama and Ole Miss because they would have beaten them both. Right. So Auburn would go to the SEC championship. Alabama would finish second because they have the tiebreaker over Ole Miss because they beat them head-to-head, and Ole Miss would finish third. Okay, so yes, yeah, so Auburn hypothetic- can afford to lose again as long as it's not Alabama or Ole Miss. Right, exactly. And A&M is not a factor in this, this equation, even though they currently have two losses because they play both Auburn and Ole Miss and in any of our hypothetical they lose to at least one of those squads, sending them at three losses in the SEC. Which takes them out of that equation. Correct. So, yeah, and it's so hard to break that down mentally. But looking at the standings now, Auburn can lose to somebody other than Ole Miss or Alabama. And my reasoning for that is, and, and this is talking about this in terms of Auburn being able to make the SEC West title game in the Iron Bowl, basically. Auburn cannot lose to Ole Miss next Saturday because if Ole Miss beats Auburn, even if they lose again, I, 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 A, I don't think they're going to lose again. I don't mm-hmm. think they'd lose to a and in, in this scenario. But even if they were to lose again, then Ole Miss would hold the tiebreaker over Auburn. And then it gets into a three-way tie, potentially, even if Auburn did win the Iron Bowl at the end of the year. And now all of a sudden, all, now all of a sudden Auburn doesn't own the head-to-head tiebreaker. And I still don't know how that breaks down. So... Let's just say you don't want to lose to Ole Miss. You lose to Ole Miss, things get a little murky. Yes. You could lose to South Carolina. You could lose to A&M, beat Ole Miss and Alabama, and you're going to the SEC championship. Exactly. Yeah, it's the most important thing here in this scenario. We cannot stress enough. The one game that Auburn can't lose right now is Ole Miss uh, oh, nine days from now. You just can't let it happen because if that happens, then you're out of contention. You need to be able to win that game. And honestly, if Auburn does manage to win that game, I see a world where we are playing for the SEC West title uh, in the Iron Bowl uh, just a few weeks from now. Lance, continuing on in our conversation that we started the show off today, which areas does Auburn need to improve during this bye week or down the stretch over these next five games? We're ranking these. I've given my top one. You've given your top one. Have you already given your second one? Was that receiver play as well? Yes. What's your last one then? The running game, I think, is the most important. Getting that back for Auburn. Look, the offensive line has not been terrible this season. We talked about it, I believe, on yesterday's show, about how the pass blocking has been more impressive than we would have thought that so far this season. And the run blocking has kind of slowly deteriorated. It's not completely gone. It's not like it's terrible. It's just not where it was to begin the season. Auburn's sitting now at about 196 rushing yards per game. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, Auburn has to be over 200 for me to consider them like a good football team. But we've seen it on the field whenever Auburn wants to try last week – Early on in the game, it would get to third and short or something like that, and then Tank Bigsby would get blown up, right? Or Jarquez Hunter would get blown up. Auburn needs to do a better job of cleaning that up up front, filling the gaps, and making sure that Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter have lanes to actually get through because these running backs are not the problem right now. It's not the fact that Auburn has bad running backs on roster and they can't create separation or they can't find the holes or they don't have enough speed. All of our running backs can do that well. It's just the offensive line, I don't think, and you may have a different perspective on this, the offensive line right now is just not getting that push up front. And maybe it's because teams are keying in on it. I think they are getting an initial push because they're not. there's not a ton of negative plays. And part of that also, it, it helps to have great running backs like Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bixby guys that either fall forward or are good at making the initial man miss. 
But you hit the nail on the head when you said they're having a hard time finding running lanes. There just aren't running lanes. But I'll counter that and say, is it totally the offensive line's fault at this point when the defense has numbers and you're still running the ball? No, and also, to to your credit, uh, Auburn currently is second in the SEC in negative play percentage. They're right behind Georgia. Georgia's at 5.5%. Auburn's at 5.6%. So I think Auburn's run blocking, while it hasn't been great, I think it has been sufficient. They have gotten the key plays on the ground when they've needed it the most this year. They did it this past week against Arkansas, and they closed out the game on the ground against LSU with some big runs. The issue is, in the LSU and the Arkansas games, and then the Georgia game as well, these defenses are packing the box tight with players. They're packing it in with seven or eight guys. Obviously, I can't block seven or eight guys. Somebody's going untouched and is going to go and fill a gap, and it's going to close up potentially all of these running lanes, which is something that we've seen. Tank had some success this past weekend getting to the outside when it was one-on-one with a linebacker out there on the edge. That was one of his runs. That was almost a touchdown. So you're right in saying that it's not the running backs. I don't think it's entirely the offensive line either. I don't think they're doing great. I definitely think it's still an area where they need to improve in. I definitely think that they are a better pass-blocking offensive line than a run-blocking offensive line at this point. But I also think it's incredibly difficult to block some of the defenses that they've been going up against, considering they've been packing it in. And um, that's that's just going to make it difficult on any offensive line to do that. And I'm pleased enough with the sufficiency and the fact that they've at least been able to pick up first downs when they've needed them and then they've also been able to score in the red zone when they've needed to as well most of the time this year when they've when they've gotten there being able to run the football and punch it in so I'm pleased with the offensive line at this point but it is still an area that I would like to see improve but I think it improves in that area Mm -hmm. if receiver play comes along first everything is interconnected in football it is one of the few games out there where every single person on every single play has to do their job or else the entire integrity of the play is thrown into question if someone does not do their job any one person and right now and you know the Arkansas game was the first time where I think you could say most of the guys on offense most of the time were doing all of their jobs correctly right and you scored 38 points and I still don't think it was a perfect offensive performance it was really good and it was the best one of the year up to that point but in the LSU game and the Georgia game and in the Georgia State game not everybody was doing their job <clears throat> receivers but hand replacement surgery is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I'm joking. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say is I think the way that Auburn is going to open up these run, this running game is by the receivers complimenting them and actually catching passes and getting open. I think that's going to be the most important thing. And look, it's, just, it's what we're saying is reasons two and three for me complement each other. It's really important that these the offense really hones in on both of those two things, working on receivers and then working on these running lanes. And even when the box is stacked, trying to get that push and trying to get some yardage out of it which they have been like like you mentioned earlier there's not a whole lot of negative plays going on no that tells you the push is there it's the climbing to the second level to (laughs) take out a linebacker but I add to this zone blocking only works if you can get some favorable numbers in the box if 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 the defense if you come to the line of scrimmage and the defense has more numbers in the box than you can block the play is not going to work it's just not and that's simple math, that's simple arithmetic, it's, it, it's easy to look at. But the reality of it is, Auburn can't always check out of the run because 
it may not be, you know, you may not have favorable numbers, A, for pass blocking either, especially if they're bringing a blitz. But on top of that, you also got to keep the defense honest. Sometimes you don't want to just get away from the running game just because you don't have favorable numbers in the box because you do want to stick to the running game. You don't want to abandon it completely. You got to keep the defense honest. You just need to make the most of your passing plays when they when you do call them in. And right now, Auburn did that against Arkansas. And I, I was pleased to see that they didn't abandon the running game, even though it wasn't super successful on first and second out, because I do think it helped make the passing game that much more effective. Even though the running game wasn't good against Arkansas, I think it still presented the, oh, are they running the ball? And it kept those Arkansas players in the box. And that helped to make Auburn's passing game even more effective. That is what it means to be a multiple offense. Is for any defense for any defense out there to just not know what you're going to do, and then for you to be able to, you know, if if the running game's not working well one day, you can go to that passing game, and then if your passing game's not working great, well then you can go to the running game. But right now, you'd love to see both of those gentlemen for Auburn. Let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of those games happening this Saturday in the SEC: LSU, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Texas A&M. We give you our early impressions of those matchups coming up this weekend. You're listening to On the Line. Back on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Our text line is 334-564-1840. Any thoughts that you've got going on in the sports world? We were just talking about which areas we think Auburn needs to improve on during this bye week. We ranked them one through three. Also, the Atlanta Braves, one game away. We said this last year. Quit talking about it. No more. No more for the rest of the show. Are you sure? Like you won't you won't let me speak about this because I, I voiced my my opinions off air. You're not gonna let me do it? We'll talk about it later. Right, Making cool. headline segment at three o'clock. We'll talk about the Atlanta Braves. I'll get on my soapbox. Game five tonight against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Last game in LA. Last game of the NLCS. Exactly. Potentially. Potentially. <laughs> and we'll have to see. It's a bullpen game. It's a bullpen game for the Dodgers. I'm just saying. Max Freed on the bump. Could be going down tonight, boys. We'll just have to wait and see. Let's talk about SEC football. Early impressions of two matchups right here that I find to be particularly interesting. LSU at number 12 will miss 2.30 p.m. CBS. Matt Corral potentially in doubt for this game against LSU. But even if he does play, I think it's safe to assume that he's probably not 100%. Yeah, exactly. And Lane Kiffin on Monday said that Corral was banged up and he wasn't feeling very good. Uh, about the situation and then just yesterday when he was asked about it again he didn't comment on it he was like you know I like to kind of not really talk about injuries y'all know that about me and I'm not about to start talking about them now it's like well dude you just did it two days ago so it, it the fact that he was able to open up on Monday and say yeah he's not feeling that great and then two days later he's not going to talk about it. it it leaves me to believe that there are some concerns with Matt Corral's health and like you just mentioned let's say he does play He's not probably going to be 100%. It's not like you can just recover immediately if you're not if you're not 100% on Monday. If your coach is out there saying, I'm concerned about it, it's not like you're going to come back out against LSU and you're going to be just fine. Let's say he does play. LSU's probably going to try to find ways to apply pressure on Corral, try and get after him, try to force him in decision, in, into decisions like he made last year whenever I believe he threw five picks against LSU uh, in that matchup in 2020. I might be incorrect on that, but... I think LSU's just going to try and do their best to get after him. 
and Ole Miss, I believe, is not that great in terms of sacks allowed per game. Uh, they, they've been they've allowed a little bit of pressure so far this season. So yeah, if LSU wants to try and just force Corral into some uncomfortable situations with him not being healthy, I think it could cause some problems. And that's the reason why this game is interesting, right? Because this Ole Miss offense has just been so potent up until this season. You take out their Heisman front runner, you take out the best cog in, in, in the clock, and it may potentially fall apart. Now, I also will say, let's say Corral doesn't play. It's either going to be John Rice Plumley, or I, I don't even know who the, the, the backup quarterback for Ole Miss is. Um, but it's going to be one of those two guys. They're probably going to try and run the ball a lot. But LSU struggled against the run so far this season. I just think that's a way more competitive game if both of these teams are just trying to establish the run or just try and slow the game down a little bit. I think that favors LSU. I really do. And uh, while I'm not sitting here saying LSU is going to come into this game and they're going to upset the Rebels, I think that th- there's a big reason why we're, gonna, we're talking about this game right now just two days out is because we don't know what Corral's going to do. We don't know if he's healthy, and that's going to cause a lot of different problems, I feel like, outside of just him. Potential upset. Telling you, man, this could be. LSU, and I was listening to T-Bob Herbert out of LSU, the former LSU center. He's on the ESPN out of Baton Rouge. He's on the ESPN station out of Baton Rouge. I was listening to him talk. I saw a video of him on Twitter breaking this down. I think they had him on SEC Network earlier this week, and they were asking him about what the vibe's kind of like in Baton Rouge now that they've moved on from Ed Orgeron. And I thought this was fascinating that he said that it feels like a burden has been lifted off of this football team, and now they can kind of just go out there and play, that there's no pressure, there's no expectations for them to do anything this year. And you and I were talking about that we thought it was interesting timing to fire Coach O because it does throw away those expectations of them going to a bowl game. And it's like, well, what are you even working for anymore? But it seems like, based off of what T-Bob's saying, is that that could work that could work to their advantage that now all of a sudden the pressure's off and all they're trying to do is just get to a bowl game this year and send Coach O, someone that they like, off into the sunset in a positive way. And it seems like it's been a good separation between O and LSU that it, what if LSU just comes out swinging, that they've got nothing to lose because they really don't have anything to lose. And I think there may be some people out there that may come back with the argument of, oh, Ole Miss is simply more talented. If Corral does play, it's probably going to be enough to get the Rebels over the hump. They should be just fine at home. The defense doesn't really matter. Ole Miss has not been, or LSU rather, has not been very good on either side of the football so far this season. And I think my counterpoint with that to that would be, yeah, we thought the same thing about the Florida game, and we saw what happened there. And I'm not saying Ole Miss and Florida are on the same level. I'm just saying we could see very similar things in this game. This this team, these players may want to give one last hurrah for Ed Ogeron, and this could be it. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. We talk about what other four teams in college football could be put on upset alert on Saturday. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Our text line 334-564-1840. That's how you can interact with us here on On the Line. We want to hear from you, any of your sports opinions out there. Every single week in college football this season, at least five ranked teams have fallen victim. Five. We've already got one down this week as Coastal Carolina went to the place where 
college football playoff dreams go to die. Boone, North Carolina. And I really can't say that that's the truth, honestly, because that was Appalachian State's first-ranked win since they beat Michigan in 2007. Good job, App State. And I don't want to say that I was right because I didn't predict it. I even said, I was like, it's probably not going to happen. But but we did mention on the show uh, last weekend after App State lost to Louisiana, I was like, the Sun Belt has three or four good teams every single year, and they will beat up on each other. And a team like App State will get blown out, and they will turn right back around and beat the best team in the conference. And it just so happened that they played Coastal Carolina the next week, and you and I were both like, there's an upset potential right there. And sure enough, like you mentioned, first-ranked win since 2007 – uh, really big program win for App State, but uh, yeah, the Sun Belt just kind of beats up on itself at the top, and it's a good league. Like it is not a bad football league, and I'm I'm interested to see whether or not some extra teams join in. Like James Madison is looking at either the CUSA or the Sun Belt, who they add in the future. I think it's going to make it more competitive, and I I love the conference. I hope that Cincinnati loses soon so that we can get this Group of Five nonsense out of the playoff yeah. discussion because there goes one team. Now we can get Cincinnati out too. Uh, just really, th- this has been such a wide open year. Um, you know, maybe Cincinnati does deserve it if they continue to win big, but I think they got to get some style points as well. But let's talk about which four teams we have on upset alert. It could be different ones. We're not ranking it. We're just throwing four teams out there. You and I are probably going to have some similar ones. I've got one that I don't think that you're going to have, but four teams that we have on upset alert to meet that five team quota that has happened every single week in college football of ranked teams losing. Lance, give me a team. Here's the first one on my list. Number 16, Wake Forest is taking on Army. Wake Forest is a three-point favorite at home. Wake Forest undefeated. Army 4-2, and two, I believe. The fact that it's on the road and the fact that it's a triple option team concerns me because it will either be really, really close and Army may pull it out or it'll be a blowout because option kind of does that, right? Either it doesn't work and it really, really works. And so in this matchup, it's just whether or not Wake Forest is up to the task, up to the task, and they are going to actually be able to play some defense. Now, Army, on the other hand, four and two right now. You know, you you kind of get, you kind of expect a game like this out of a, out of a triple option team every single year. You kind of get that aha, gotcha moment. It's the triple option. Didn't see that coming, kind of game. So this could be it. Weather forecasts: West Point, New York. 59 degrees 57 degrees potentially overcast first cold game of the season for the wake forest demon deacons you know what they like to do lance they like to throw the football their quarterback averages 30 pass attempts per ball game that seems like that would be on the high end for a wake forest coached football team first cold game of the season mistakes it happens every year you just don't come ready fumbles drop the ball It's not going to be easy to catch the ball. Your hands are going to be cold and stiff. You're just not used to it. Going on the road as well. They've just been kind of getting by. I had them first on my list as well. Wake Forest. I actually feel kind of good about calling this one an upset. We'll pick it tomorrow. But I I might go Army on this one. I liked everything you said about the triple option as well. I went in a different direction just talking about the weather and the fact that I was like, you know, it's going to be pretty cold up there. And I was wondering if it was going to be a little windy. It doesn't look like wind's going to play a factor in the ballgame, about five-mile-per-hour wind. Um, so I don't think that that'll be a major issue. But I do think the fact that the temperatures are beginning to drop, that's going to hurt some of these teams that like to throw the football a lot. But Army doesn't like to throw the football. They run the football. 
tough guys. I could see them grinding out Wake Forest in this game. And Wake is a team that has not played good defense recently. I think Army can get it done. That's a team I did have on upset alert. Absolutely. Also, just random side note, because Army likes to run the ball, they go 12 deep at running back. They've used 12 running backs so far this season. That's that's really yes. that's awesome. And you look on their roster on CBS, it says they've got 23 running backs listed, and they've got 11 quarterbacks listed as, that, that could potentially play. I just think that's phenomenal. I think that's awesome. Give me another team. Another team here, Pittsburgh, number 23, at home versus Clemson. Pittsburgh is a three-point favorite. You look at this matchup, you look at the way that Clemson's been playing offense recently, and you say Pittsburgh should go out th- here. They should go out in this game and they should win it. But Clemson, because they still have all that talent on roster, it kind of leaves me concerned because it's still Clemson, right? I look at this game and I want to pick Pittsburgh, and I'm probably going to p- pick Pittsburgh to win this game tomorrow, but it's still Clemson. That's kind of my vibe here is it's still going to be Clemson. I don't think you can really count them out in a lot of different games, even with their off offense being as inept as it has been so far this season. I didn't put that one on my list, but I'm not mad at it. I thought about it. It was in contention and I put a different one over it. But what the reason why I refrained, and I don't disagree with you, I could see Clemson finding a way to eke out a victory because defense travels. But I like this Pittsburgh offense, man. I really am rooting for them to hold on and Kenny Pickett maybe try and get into the Heisman discussion. I thought you were joking for the last couple of weeks when you said dark horse for the Heisman for Kenny Pickett. You're like the boy who cried wolf when it comes to dark horse for the Heisman stuff uh, just because of how often we talked about Bo Nix. I was like, ah, he's just messing with me. But then you look at it, he's playing really well right now. And he's one of the highest graded quarterbacks according to Pro Football Focus. So I'm hoping Pittsburgh can hold on because that could be like, they're one loss right now, man. What if that team ends up winning out? Wins the ACC? Pittsburgh to the playoff. <laughs> Dark horse for the playoff! Pittsburgh! That'd be awesome. That, that would be, be awesome. That would be wild. Also, just random side note about the Wake Forest Army game. Wake Forest is 92nd nationally in rush defense. Uh-oh! Uh-oh. <laughs> Army! Uh-oh. Uh, I'll add one here for you then. Number eight, Oklahoma State. Are they on your list? They are, yes. Oklahoma State is seven they are seven point dogs on the road at Iowa State this weekend Oklahoma State a top 10 team this almost feels like it's a trick seven point dogs it opened are at you, five and a half are you luring me on this line like what what are you what is this I don't think Iowa State covers but they are playing much better football than they were early this season Brock Purdy has cut out the interceptions Iowa State's playing a lot better on offense but also you look at their last two opponents not very good at playing defense I know they played Kansas over the last couple weeks they beat Kansas State handily in Farmageddon last week they scored pretty well on a decent Baylor defense led by Dave Aranda they scored 29 points. I mean, the Iowa State offenses came a long ways, and this is still one of the better defenses in the Big 12. They're one of the best rush defenses in college football, though, allowing just 97.7 rush yards per game. All Oklahoma State does well on offenses run the football. I think if they can cut into the Oklahoma State rush efficiency, Oklahoma State's going to have a hard time scoring. Iowa State at home, this is one that I'll probably pull the trigger on tomorrow with an upset. I understand. I, I don't see the seven points at home. I think that's a lot. 
but I definitely see a potential here for Iowa State to pull the upset. The question for me is, can Iowa State continue to protect the football, and can they also indeed find enough points against another solid Big 12 defense because Oklahoma State's only allowing like 16 points a game, and they held teams like – they played good offenses. They held Texas to 24. They held Baylor to 14. Those are two of the more high-profile offenses in the Big 12 this year, and Oklahoma State played good defense against them. So I do think Iowa State's going to struggle. That's where I don't understand the seven-point line at is because I think Iowa State's going to have a hard time scoring. But I also think the defense is going to make things difficult for Oklahoma State on the road. Put them on upset alert. Yeah, absolutely. I think also it comes back to quarterback play for me for Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders has been nothing to write home about so far this year. Six touchdowns, five picks. He's just not been that good. Now Jalen Warren, yeah, Jalen Warren, their running back has been phenomenal. But the question is, if you bottle him up, where does Oklahoma State go after that? And so defensively, I think this could be uh, an issue for Oklahoma State to try and maybe potentially get some points up on the board. If they can't run the football, I don't really see that happening. Last game on your list. Last game on my list is Ole Miss LSU. Oh, really? As my fourth. You yeah. didn't go Oregon UCLA? Uh, no, I did not. I think that you look at this game, right? If Matt Corral doesn't play, um, I would get really, really close to picking LSU to win outright. If he does play, I still have my concerns. It just revolves around his health and whether or not he's able to actually go and and play well. Didn't LSU win this game last year? They did. Or I, I believe they did. It was fifty three to forty eight. They yeah. did win. Yeah, and Corral threw five picks. I think this was the last game of the season for LSU. I think they beat Florida and then went on the next week to beat Ole Miss. Right. So I'm. I, I know LSU's depleted, and I know they're letting their head coach go, and there are so many different things that are going against them right now. But also counteract that with. They beat Florida. They got over the hump at home. They forced turnovers in that game. They got four interceptions. Do you see a, a not 100%, a, 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 a borderline healthy Matt Corral maybe have a couple of picks in this game, possibly maybe just not make good decisions, maybe not able to escape and run for 195 yards like he did last year? LSU's probably going to be playing contained. They're probably going to have somebody specifically spying on Corral throughout this entire matchup. If you get pressure and make sure he can't escape, I, I see this as a potential close game or potential upset. They also found a bit of a rushing attack last week against Florida. Tyrion Davis-Price was really, really good for LSU. Davis-Price, if he runs for 85 yards for every single game left in the regular season, he will crack 1,000 yards, which is something I thought would never happen after seeing these first couple of games for LSU's rushing attack. And he's they, once again, they found a rushing attack against a Florida defense that I didn't think was that bad, right. and then it just fell off. It fell off planet Earth. Kyrie Irving's Planet Earth, one that's flat, but you know it, it fell off, and so I just I I could see it. I I've got two on my list that you don't have, and so we'll break some of those down right here. Number ten, Oregon on the road at UCLA. UCLA is favored by two points at home in this one. Looking at the matchup, something happened to Oregon when they lost to Stanford back on October 2nd. They've had a bye week thrown in there as well, but they had a really uninspiring performance against a bad Cal team, only won 24-17. Cal or Colorado, which team is worse in the Pac-12? I don't know, very difficult. But Oregon is heavily predicated on running the football, just like UCLA. And the team in this ballgame that's got the better run defense, believe it or not, it's UCLA. They're only giving up 91 rush yards per game. Wow. They give up a ton of pass yards. But believe it or not, Oregon's given up more yards per game, period, total, than UCLA is at this point. And Oregon, aside from that Ohio State game, I don't think they've been as tested in the Pac-12 as UCLA has been at this point. It feels weird 
pick in this one considering UCLA has kind of been up and down as well but Oregon too has has fallen off a little bit since losing to Stanford I almost uh, there's a lot of games that I might pull the trigger on an upset with I'm going to take UCLA tomorrow as well but I would put that one on upset alert uh by the way like I said they're favored by two points at home I just looked and I wanted to point and point it out CBS Sports right in front of my eyes just updated some of their lines the Ole Miss line went from nine to nine and a half and the Oregon UCLA line went from two to one it opened as a pick'em according to CBS so uh that absolutely upset alert potential right there last game here that you may disagree with me on and maybe I'm just wishing for this to happen but there's a great story in Columbia South Carolina yes yes I had them in as my, I had two honorable mention games and, that and as one. I said earlier this week college station is a children's playground <laughs> for road football teams not overly intimidating I can see number 17 Texas A&M falling to South Carolina who by the way is four and three at this point and is just two games away from making it to a bowl game I think they still get to play Mississippi State this year. They play Texas A&M and they got Clemson. There are three winnable games left there. Of course, they also get to play Auburn, but we won't talk about that, especially after what happened last year. But A&M, I'm still not totally sold on this offense having turned the corner just yet, just because they beat Alabama in what was an abysmal defensive performance for Alabama and an incredible performance for the A&M offense. They're running the football pretty well right now, but Zach Calzada last week against Missouri, one of the worst pass defenses in this league, one of the worst defenses in this league, period, if not the worst defense. He was 13 for 25 last week against Missouri. Still threw a pick. He's not overly efficient. South Carolina's defense is actually pretty good, guys. Only giving up 21 points a game. They're giving up less than 200 pass yards per game. I could see Calzada struggling in this football matchup, even if even even with it being at home in College Station. But the question is, can South Carolina score against that AM defense? Which Mississippi State found a way to get 26, and their offense has been really up and down this year. Could the story that's being written for Zeb Nolan and Luke Doty, could South Carolina maybe get to a bowl game? They need this one, but I wouldn't rule out an upset here. I could see an AM's 19 and a half point favorites and this is the one and you want to talk about upsets like the fact that there are better candidates for upsets this weekend makes South Carolina the perfect upset candidate because this year has just been wild and wacky 19 and a half point favorites are A&M but I could see this one being much closer than the experts predict and I could potentially even see it as an upset I love that you picked this game I had it as an honorable mention for all the reasons that you listed Seb Noland going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season Luke Doty out with a season injuring foot injury he's going to have surgery on that this South Carolina offense has not been able to move the ball incredibly efficiently so far this season but they have played solid defense and for A&M you look at what they did last week against Missouri like you mentioned only 35 points Zach Calzada not very efficient got bad news for A&M South Carolina does not allow 280 rushing yards per game or whatever Missouri's defense is bleeding at this point this could potentially be an upset if Calzada is not able to find the holes to get to the get to Weidemeyer, get to Anaya Smith. If he's not able to find the holes in this South Carolina secondary, I could see this being a dogfight, a potential upset. And also, you mentioned South Carolina schedule. If you had told me their November slate consisting of Florida, Missouri, Auburn, and Clemson, if you had told me that Auburn would be the only ranked team in that November slate. I would have called you crazy at the beginning of the season. If you're like, okay, we get to November and South Carolina's last four games, the only team ranked in November is Auburn. Just absolutely wild to me. And can they find two wins over these last five? That's the question. They got A&M, Florida, and Missouri over their next three. And then they got Auburn and Clemson 
to round out the season can you find two wins over your last five to get to a bowl game and I think it's doable I really do do you know what this fan base would do if they beat Clemson at the end of the year I don't know. They would they would keep Shane Beamer forever is what they would do. <laughs> that said, for breaking down our four teams that we've got on upset alert going into this weekend, when we come back, we will take a look at Sunday Showdown and pick our NFL games for this week. You're listening to On the Line. Wrapping up hour number one of the Thursday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Going to head to the phone lines now. Number to call 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. We've got Terry with us. Terry, how's it going, man? Great. Noah, Lance, how y'all doing? We're doing real well. Great, fantastic. Guys, earlier in the show, y'all were talking about what Auburn can improve on. Their pass rush has got to get better. I think you'll find that if the pass rush gets better, the secondary will get better. That's true. And because and, no greater defensive back, a great defensive tell you the pass rush is great. Look at some of the pass rushers Deion Sanders played with, Daryl Green, those guys. They, they played the, now I'm not comparing all for Auburn's defensive backs to those guys, for goodness sake. But, you know, <laughs> you see what the point I'm trying to make is. Yeah, yeah. And the other point is, if, I, if I'm a high school linebacker, I, if I'm Auburn, I'm recruiting them hard because they don't, they don't have a lot of confidence past, you know, the guy Wooten. Kobe McLean and Papo. Lord knows we need Papo back quick. That's true. I am excited for when Papo gets back because I've been really high up on McLean and Wooten at this point, but we still haven't seen a ton of Steiner, a ton of Tisdall. We've seen more of Steiner than we have of Tisdall, and it's definitely more this year that we've gotten to see the backup linebackers than we ever did under Kevin Steele, who never rotated his guys. That's how McLean and Papo both last year got over 100 tackles each. But is there a, def- is there a defensive back could put on some weight? Maybe play the linebacker position. I'm thinking maybe uh, McLean, um, the, the big tall guy from Bessemer City. What's his name? Uh, oh, Torrance. Torrance. Oh, Roe Torrance. Torrance. Yeah, and he's somebody that we haven't really seen a whole lot recently. You know who I would like to see linebacker, and I actually think would play better. Smoke Monday. Yep. I think Smoke yeah. would be a much better linebacker than he is as a as he's a safety. Of a Darren Bates type. He's just gotta he's just gotta put a little bit more weight on, like you said, but he's just he's much better as a run stopper than he is in pass coverage, but they won't move him there and that would sidetrack his NFL hopes as well, I think, if you moved him to linebacker at this point. But they are bringing him up closer to line of scrimmage, I think, we've seen recently than um than he was at the start of the year. Terry, we appreciate the call, my man. Sure. Take care, guys. That was Terry on the line with us. Yeah. Smoke definitely, I think, is more successful when he's coming into the box. It's like a poor man's Jamal Adams. It's like he he plays better closer to the line of scrimmage. And I'm say I don't say that as a slight because Smoke Monday is still a college sa- safety. Jamal Adams has been playing in the NFL for years. It's like he can get to that point. I'm not saying he can't, but right now I think they play similar in the fact that they're better whenever they're closer to the line of scrimmage and they're either trying to get after the quarterback or stop the run. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. All right, we've got time for one NFL pick here. Sunday showdown. Uh, Lance, you're 38 and 23. I'm 37 and 24. We both went six and four last week with our NFL picks. We'll do Thursday night football pick right here. We've got a minute to do it. Denver Broncos at Cleveland Browns, 7:20 p.m. Fox and NFL Network. Cleveland is beaten 
all, like all over their roster right now in terms of injury. Baker broken. Mayfield's out. They're broken. And you've got the Browns hat on right now. I'm going to take Denver to win this game. I don't feel great about it, but the reason I'm going to take them to win is because A, Teddy B, and B, I think this bad offense for Cleveland right now, because of all the injuries they, they have, I mentioned it before we started the show, it may cr- potentially create a turnover or two, and it's going to create short fields for the Broncos to work with. I think this is a low-scoring affair, but I think Denver is able to clutch it out. Cleveland still has a good defense. I know that they've put up some – the other teams have put up some points recently, but they've been playing the Cardinals. They've been playing the Chargers with a shorthanded offense. The Broncos' offense has not scored more than 21 points, but on – okay, check that. They they did score 27 on the Giants. But nonetheless, you look at it, the Broncos right now average 21 points right now. They're having a really hard time scoring the football. I think that the Browns can hold them to 17 that's my take. I think the Browns hold them to 17, and I think the Browns can find 18. We have one of the best kickers in the league. McLaughlin, 9 for 9. If it on comes the year. down to a field goal in the NFL in this day and age, do you really want that? Yes. Even if your kicker's playing well? All right. <laughs> I hope I didn't just wish something horrible upon me and my team. <laughs> uh, but I think the Browns can find 18, and I don't think the Broncos score more than 17. That's how I broke it down. Give me Browns. That's it for hour number one of On the Live. We'll be back. Hour number two coming up. are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and silicaga and in auburn on espn 1067 or online on fox sports 983.com and espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and lance daw join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500 Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. We've had a fun show so far today, Lance. Absolutely, and if you've missed any of it, Go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Make sure to give us a review. Make sure to subscribe if you can. We would really appreciate it. Going to start off hour number two with our Making Headlines segment. And we'll start off with what we didn't talk about earlier, but we will talk about now. The Atlanta Braves pulled within one game of the World Series with a 9-2 win in Game 4 over the Dodgers. Hush tones in LA and it was it was uh, Atlanta's bullpen game and LA could get nothing going against Atlanta's bullpen they couldn't get anything going against Drew Smiley who I thought was going to come in and give up at least a couple of runs and you saw early on uh, Adam Duvall robbing uh, LA of a home run you saw that uh, against Smiley and you thought oh well Smiley's about to deal here and at at least give up one I felt like but he didn't and they were able to hold 9-2 was the final one more game tonight. It's Los Angeles's bullpen game. You're confident, uh, Charlie? No, it's not Charlie Morton. It's uh, Max it's Freed. Ma- Max Freed is going to be on the mound for for Atlanta. It's a bullpen game for the jo- for the Dodgers. I'm very confident heading into tonight, and that may be to my detriment. That may be wrong. Who knows? Atlanta may lose, and they may lose by a lot. But I've got some optimism heading into tonight's game. I think we take it. I think we're going into the World Series after this game tonight. 
I think it's happening. I'm gonna say it, and I'm not. Ju- there's, I'm not jinxing it. That's not. That's not real. Jinxes not, aren't real. It's not happening. You, all right. Y- yes, they are, and you're setting yourself up for so much pain. It's not happening. That's exact, dude. I was at lunch with a couple of my friends earlier, and they said the exact same thing. They're like, "You've you've not been a Braves fan for very long. You are setting yourself up for months of pain." And I'm like, "It's not. It's not happening two years in a row. This is not happening two years in a row." You think that it's not happening. Sting, I hope the Red Sox rip your heart out of your I chest am, cavity. That's just mean. I'm not saying anything mean Cheaters. about the Braves. Would you rather play? Wham. Would you rather play the Braves or the Dodgers? Braves, 100. percent Would you? Would you rather? Uh, that sounds offensive. No. Would you rather play the Dodgers or would you rather play the Astros or the uh, the Red Sox? I would rather play the Red Sox. See, hmm. I'm offended by what you said. First of all, you didn't even have to think about which team that you would 100%. rather play. I don't so want to play Los that's Angeles. not nice. And then the second of all, I at least respect the fact that you guys have some serious offense at the plate. I would much rather play the it's Red not Sox even over about, the Astros. It's not even about disrespecting Atlanta. I'm actually very impressed with what Atlanta has done, especially losing Ronald Acuna in the middle of the season. I would have probably said that Packed up that was the tent, it. went home. So I'm very impressed with what they're doing. I'm just legitimately afraid of Mookie Betts and – the other guys in the Dodgers. I mean, I, I, I still I still remember what Mookie Betts did to the Astros when he played for the Red Sox. Well, they're down three one to to the team that you would rather play. So yeah, they, they, we, we're building. And momentum that may right just now. mean that the Braves are really hot. You know what? If the Astros we'll do, talk do trash when we get there, Lance. We got to get there first. I'm okay. Not, I don't. I'm not <laughs> yeah, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I'm I think. not hating on Houston. I'm just saying right now. I like the Braves' chances in this game. And I think they will give whoever they play potentially in the World Series a run for their money. One hundred percent. I at this point I think it's wide open. I don't I don't think anybody knows who's gonna win this thing. Sting, I do Friday matchup. Friday matchup. Astros, Red Sox. Who do you think wins? Do the do the Astros put it away in six? I, I sure hope so. I think it's gonna be really good for them that they're back in Houston. Of course, winning those last two games in Boston is really big. I mean, they had major offensive struggles in games two and three i think that series is over i think the astros are gonna they're about yeah, to take it I'm, six. i'm a little nervous tonight with garcia starting i've never really been impressed with luis garcia they don't play tonight they play tomorrow right sorry not tonight i, I meant friday yeah I, i'm a little nervous with know your team garcia playing on friday just because he had a really bad outing in i game forgot two. astros people need people banging on trash cans to know what's going on Wow, that's just that's just a low blow. What about the, what, what about at the least trash we don't talk? blow three one leads though. So yeah, it's not happening. It's not happening. But it already again. has happened once. It will that's not happen. Yeah, it won't. This is exactly why it's not going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the Astros can win, especially getting the energy from the home crowd. That home crowd is going to be there in force, so I think they can get a lot of energy from them. I. I still do have this feeling that it's going to go to seven and they're going to have to use Zach Grinky in game seven. We'll see. I, I certainly hope I'm wrong because I want as much rest as we can get, especially hope, hoping that Lance McCullers is, will, would be able to come back for the World Series, assuming that he's been able to recover from his muscle strain. I don't really know about the whole recovery time from that. I know it's kind of variable. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Astros. If Atlanta loses this series in seven games, I will not be on the line the following day. <laughs> you will be off the line. I will I be off the line. I will be crying in the corner is what I will be doing. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our second headline here of Making Headlines. Florida, Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and UAB 
all accepted invitations to join the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, I can understand two of these teams, but like, why why this group? Which two? UAB and who else? UAB and North Texas, because North Tex- Texas hasn't been like completely terrible in football recently. I mean, they, they just recently went to a CUSA title, I believe, just a couple of years ago. Uh, markets they've gone yeah. to bowl games mason fine stands shout out to y'all if y'all know that name oh, I know also mason they fine. play basketball they're not bad at basketball i think they went they're to the not. tournament yeah. last year yeah 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 they did i believe they won their i think they won first, the first round who they beat purdue. Was it purdue, purdue right yeah, yeah. let's go yeah go so, mean green so north texas and uab would be the two teams but north texas is kind of and eh, but uab is the only selection where i'm like that makes sense this is a good team to bring into your conference but florida atlantic charlotte rice Salt TV a, markets. A food? You brought in a food to your conference? <laughs> What's going on here, man? UTSA. UTSA. It's, yeah, it's, it's all TV markets. Those are all. Because they're just so irrelevant. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not I Is it TV just... market? I mean, I, I guess. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Houston, da- I think about Charlotte. Dallas, Houston, yeah. San Antonio, Charlotte. Yeah, and then, that's fair. And I was listening to it the other uh, to um, national radio the other day, and they were talking about how Miami would per capita. Home. Yeah, Miami, but per capita, Birmingham is the biggest town for college football in America. Yeah. per capita with households. Well, UAB made sense even without the TV right. market argument because they're actually good at football, basketball, and then they're decent at baseball. But these other teams, Charlotte's bad at everything that they play, with the exception. Yeah. I think they're okay at baseball. I think they're okay at baseball, but. Well, no, no, didn't they have a good baseball season this past year? They might have. I can pull it I up. think they were a national seed in baseball. Like, all right, whoop-de-doo, you're good at baseball, whatever. <laughs> everything else, you're horrible at. Um, you Florida can... Atlantic's bad at everything but football most years. You know, I think football, they're 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 you know they're very up and down. North Texas, we already said, they're decent at basketball. They're kind of up and down at football. Baseball, I don't know anything about them. UTSA, they've had one good football season. It's this year out of, you know, they, they're – they haven't been very good traditionally at football since they've joined the FBS. I don't think they're very good at basketball or baseball. Rice has been bad at everything with the exception of baseball, and that's kind of been spotty, and then already broke down UAB. So I don't love these selections, but you're right. You just broke it down easily there. I didn't even think about the TV market side of things. They did hit major ones. Miami, Dallas, Houston, Birmingham. You're right. Charlotte went 40-21 and 21 in baseball and lost in the Greenville Regional. So. They were a national seed, right? Yeah. Or, or were they in ECU's no. region? That no, they were, they were in ECU's region, right? Okay, and then yeah. they lost to Maryland. They, they eventually they lost They were almost a national seed. So, yeah, okay, they're fine at baseball, whatever. And then um, the, the Rice, I guess I can understand it because Rice does go with a lot of different things, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Pretty, pretty straightforward. That's so. good. I would have liked to have seen them brought in Marshall. Marshall's yeah. pretty yeah. good Although, at all three sports saw, they play, major sports, I should I say. Just, I saw a rumor last night that uh, Marshall and Southern Miss are going to be going to the Sun Belt. Ooh. I can I can see a world where that happens. Yeah. Why though? For the other sports is why I ask why. Football, can, sure, but I can see Southern Miss with a Sun Belt logo on their jersey. That is the, that is the reason why. No, that weren't one makes sense. A, weren't they a founding member of the Sun Belt? They might have been. I thought they were. You probably know that better than I do. And yeah. then Marshall, you get the uh, the Mountain Bowl between them and Appalachian State. Hey, yeah, that's that the would Coal be a bowl. fun game. We've got the Iron Bowl and then the Coal Bowl. Fun rivalry. You know who's got to be crushed by all of this? Louisiana Tech. The Conference USA. Yeah, Louisiana Tech's just been left all alone. Yeah. And I actually, think they should they, join they, the Sun Belt. Well, so that was something that was Disband like, well, why, not, Conference USA. why not Louisiana Tech? Louisiana Tech has some bad blood with ULM and Lafayette because they've acted for a long time like they're they're better because they were in Conference USA. And in 2012, Louisiana Tech was 9-3, and three, and they were approached by the Independence Bowl who asked if they'd like to play 8-4 and four uh, La Monroe in 2012, and Louisiana Tech declined because 
essentially they just they, they thought that that was beneath them they had to play another state school and then they didn't get another bowl bid Wow. Fun fact here for anybody that has any interest in this whatsoever. The Sunbelt Conference was founded in 1976 with New Orleans, South Alabama, Georgia State, Jacksonville, and Charlotte, Charlotte and uh, South Florida. So they came such a long way. Yeah, they really, really have. They've. Uh, I think La Tech. I, look, the Conference USA is falling apart. La Tech could go to a place like the Sun Belt. Think about Louisiana Tech is great at football, basketball, and baseball. They hosted a regional. This they past did year. in baseball. That was the one that Alabama went to, and then that was the Ruston Regional, and then they were borderline NCAA tournament team in basketball. They're a good Conference USA squad. And then in football, I mean, they're a perennial 8-9 win team in uh, Conference USA. Now, this year, I think they're 2-4. and four, Good enough but... for the Big 12. Go ahead and throw them in there with the other uh, American athletic conference uh, conference teams that they uh they I think the Big on. 12 would have something to gain there by adding them from a baseball and basketball standpoint. They would, wouldn't they? Yeah. That's like... But the market is minuscule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rustin's not huge. Yeah. No. So, but regardless if big 12 is looking for teams you know they could have gone that route but they you know picked some of the other american teams and that's why the americans trying to replenish houston cincinnati and ucf and that's what these moves are going to do i think it's going to bring them up to 14 teams is what i saw at the end of the day when it's all said and done but i think a lot of these teams actually weaken the integrity of the american athletic conference it makes it a, a worse league for me there are other teams that i would like to see them pick up bring army into the league I don't know if Army wants to play in a conference. They could be Notre Dame-esque in that scenario, but bring Army into the league. So you have the Army. I mean, the Army-Navy rivalry is not going anywhere, but Navy's already there. Why not bring Army in? Wouldn't be that difficult. No, I and I, I think Army would, you know, would stand a lot to gain from that. Absolutely. That would that would have been uh, another team. to. They might that. make more on an independent schedule than they would. No, no. From, the, from, from a paycheck from the American, they might make more being able to schedule whoever they want. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because Navy's in the American. They were independent for a long time. I don't. The Navy Navy is yeah. in the American. Yeah, Navy still have, is yeah, right. Yeah, they, yeah. But they were independent for a long time, just like Army. And I look at them, just barren wasteland of football yeah. talent. Not exactly doing. They'll great. get back. They'll they get will. back. Gus Malzahn lost to that barren wasteland of <laughs> talent that you just talked about. Oof. Even I don't think that's wasteland. a fair measuring stick. <laughs> All right, let's uh, go to our next headline here. NBA basketball season has been started the last two days. Isaac Okoro had a pretty good day for the Cleveland Cavaliers, although he didn't start. Had eight points in 21 minutes, three for five shooting. I think he may have had three or five rebounds. I can't remember. He had a couple of rebounds thrown in there. He was one of two Cleveland Cavaliers who had a positive plus minus in that ball game that they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. He did have the best plus minus of the entire roster. I want to know, and it may just be just being unaware why he didn't start, because he started every game that he played in last season, I believe. So why he didn't start uh, to open the season this year, uh, I, I, it may just be that there's, there is a legitimate reason, and I don't know, but it just it, it confused me. The Cleveland roster is not bad this year. You've got Darius Garland. You've got Colin Sexton in the backcourt. They've got a huge frontcourt. Kevin Love, Laurie Markkinen, Jared Allen's in the frontcourt as well. Isaac Okoro's out there on the bench. They've got some good players. This could be a potential playoff team when it's all said and done. I'm not going to judge them on the fact that they lost by double digits to the Grizz because, of course, John Morant's a very good basketball player and the Grizzlies were a borderline playoff team last year. But I I am shocked as well that you wouldn't want your best defender on the floor. Yeah, I agree. More than 21 minutes. Doesn't make sense. And I think I may be wrong on this. Cleveland definitely has a lot 
of young talent and that Memphis as well they are very young so it's it, I think it's going to take time for both those teams to develop but yeah Isaac Okoro I think uh, he's definitely proven himself as a starter on a Cleveland caliber team uh, would like to see him kind of r- work his way back into that rotation we're going to take a quick break here when we come back we're going to go to Sunday showdown make some NFL picks here on the Thursday edition of on the line With Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Daw with you on ESPN 1067 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. Fun show today. We're headed to our Sunday showdown portion of the show. Lance and I are going to take a look at some of the NFL games happening this weekend and tonight. We already picked the Denver Broncos against the Cleveland Browns. You've got Denver. I've got Cleveland. Needless to say, a lot of injuries for the Cleveland Browns. Good football team went healthy, but they're missing potentially two offensive linemen, both of their running backs. Hey, guess what? Juice is back. Landry's back? He is. Wonder who's going to be throwing. Jarvis <laughs> Landry. It's Case Keenum, sir. He was he's built for this. That's what he said. That was his quote. I'm built for this. When he he has been a starter. Case Keenum's got to be one of the best backups in the league just from his starting experience. And he was a pretty good starter uh with his best year with the Vikings, but of course they move on. Got Kirk Cousins and everything, but still I understand it. I understand if somebody wants to go with the Broncos, but this Broncos team can't score. So that's why I took the Browns to win tonight's ball game but that doesn't mean the browns are a good football team either washington football team at green bay packers 12 p.m fox i'm going to be taking the packers in this matchup because washington still can't stop a nosebleed there the the packers are favored by seven and a half i think there's definitely a world where uh where green bay covers they're five and one right now they're playing well aaron Rodgers reminding everybody last week that he still owns chicago he's dealing uh this is an easy win for the packers I think it's an easy win for the Packers as well. Surprisingly, though, what has led Green Bay this year is their defense. It's kind of crazy. They're allowing just 22.7 points per game, whereas their offense is just scoring around 24, 25 a game. So they're kind of eking out victories here early on. That's what people thought would have been the case for Washington, but that is not the case with the football team this year, whereas they're allowing 31 per game. I think the offense is going to open up a little bit for the Packers it better my entire fantasy team is either hurt or on a bye week um i'm having to kind of stream guys this week had to go and pick up a running back i need it i need Devontae adams to score like 100 points i'm one in five the sissy blue shirts are falling apart man (laughs) uh there's talks that i i'm gonna have to reach a separation with my fantasy team um you know i might take off coaching for a little bit might find a hamburger to eat i, I don't know man <laughs> uh, the cc blue shirts are not it's not going well all right next game kansas city chiefs at tennessee titans 12 p.m cbs i didn't think the titans were going to be able to uh to get over the hump against uh buffalo last week but they were able to do it uh and they uh they have a chance to uh even further solidify themselves as a legitimate contender in the nfl in this game and i think they're going to do so Kansas City on a bit of a slide so far this season. Patrick Mahomes forcing a lot of different throws, and this year it's resulted in interceptions. If y'all saw 
the embarrassing interception that he had against Washington last week. It was comical, even said uh, that the whole team was laughing at him during their film room session. Uh, I think that this uh, Tennessee team is going to be able to run Derrick Henry, and they're going to just kind of be able to outlast Kansas City in what should be a, in a, an entertaining game. I'm going Titans, but I feel horrible about it because the Titans are good for losing games. They're, they're, they are a good football team, not super talented. They have talent, but they're not like off the charts talented like we know Kansas City is. But the Kansas City defense has been so bad. I'm trying to figure out are the Chiefs a good football team or not because they haven't beaten anybody good except for a fully healthy Browns team back in week one. Since then, they have not played well against good football teams and it's hard to when your defense has given up 29 a game and that's been a consistent theme this year I think it does continue into this ball game against the Titans but what scares me so much about the Titans is they're kind of unexplainable as well they lost to the Jets three weeks ago man like they would be five and one right now had they not lost to the Jets like you just never know the Tennessee Titans are like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get I'm going with the Titans because Derrick Henry's probably going to claim another victim this week, but the Chiefs still, man, you never know when they're going to show back up, and I know they're too talented to be losing so many games, but I will take the Titans to throw the Chiefs back below 500. It feels like the Chiefs run, and I don't know how you feel about this, but it feels like the Chiefs run may already be coming to an end. Like They're going to have to retool around Patrick Mahomes much quicker than you originally thought. It feels like this Kansas City team is a shell of what it was a couple of years ago. Even though it's the same guys. Exactly. So like you just mentioned, I think they're going to have to start replacing some pieces and trying to get some new faces in there with Patrick Mahomes to see if they can kind of rekindle what they were able to do just a couple of seasons ago. You know what's absurd? The fact that the Chiefs, as young as they are, go to a Super Bowl, play Tom Brady, lose, lose bad, might I add, And then all of a sudden, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are one of the best teams in the NFL, with a quarterback who's beyond 40 years of age, when you've also got Patrick Mahomes, who's well under 30 years of age and has a lot of young talent around him, and it's the Chiefs who are beginning to think, hmm, they might need to rebuild soon. I want to go as far as to say that they need to rebuild, but like they're going to have to retool that defense, which is going to take money away from other places on their team. You are working with a salary cap here. You know, There's only so much you can do. And some of these guys already, and maybe this year is just an off year for the Chiefs, but something inside me makes me feel a little bit like the Chiefs are going downhill. And, you know, that's it's not a good look. Not a good look. Atlanta Falcons at Miami Dolphins, 12 p.m. on Fox. The Dolphins went from tanking for Tua to tanking with Tua, and they are not playing good football right now. I'm going to take the Falcons to win this game, even though I believe their only two wins have come against the Giants and the Jets. I think they go on the road against a 1-5 in five Miami Dolphins team, and they, they're, they're, they're able to get enough offense with Matt Ryan to, uh, to win this thing. I'm going Dolphins. Okay. I feel, I feel spicy with this one. They didn't have Tua for a little bit. Remember that. I mean, they were tanking for Tua, then they were tanking with Tua, then they were tanking with a hurt Tua, and now they're tanking maybe again with Tua. I don't know if they feel great about their quarterback position, but Tua did play well last week. I think he was like 32 for 44 in London, had a pair of touchdowns, maybe just a pick. But they did lose to Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars still. They lost 23-20. to This may be a poor decision on my part. It seems like a poor decision to pick the Dolphins. But I do think Tua played well last week. Both of these teams are horrible. Falcons, you know, they, 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 I just don't think that they're a good football team either. Obviously, the record tells you that. They struggled with the Jets last week. 
they're not much better than the Jaguars. I think as Tua gets more and more healthy, as he's eased back into it, the Dolphins are a better team than what they're showing right now. Quarterback situation hurt them a lot for this year, but I do think they're a better team than that. I think they sneak up on the Falcons at home, find a way to win. I can find a way to forgive the Dolphins in my heart for giving Urban Meyer his first and only NFL win. So I can forgive them for that. Let's just don't let anybody else. Don't don't let Urban Meyer win another game this year. No more. No more. None. No more. New York Jets at New England Patriots, 12 p.m. CBS. I'm going to take the Patriots to win this game, but I just want to say this is not your New England team of old. They have a lot of different holes. Mac Johnson, Mac Jones, rather, is just proving the fact that he is a rookie. He's still got things to learn. They've still got to develop him. It's going to take a little bit of time, but a, a, a game against the Jets and Zach Wilson is not going to stop you. I'm going Patriots here. The New England Patriots still own the New York Jets. New England's not a bad football team. I know they've got some holes. They're two and four, but you look at the last three weeks, they lost a close game to the Cowboys, good football team, a playoff team, I think, and they lose a two-point game to the Buccaneers where if their kicker can hit a field goal through a monsoon, they're going to win, right? I mean, like, there were little little things in those games which having a rookie quarterback doesn't help you too much because part of that was Matt Jones, you could say, in both of those football games, but some of it wasn't his fault. So that that's kind of lending a hand to what you're saying about the Patriots having some holes on their team. But I still think they're not a bad football team. They're better than the record suggests at two and four. I expect them to kind of turn it on here. This is a win against the Jets, I think. Look, even if touchdown Tommy isn't in New England anymore. <laughs> that was great that was great. the patriots still own the jets <laughs> that was fantastic go pats go i love that go I, pats if we could do every nfl segment if you could talk about the the patriots in that accent i would love that i would really appreciate that uh yeah pat socks beat the astros too oh sting you got any retaliate what what would the houston accent be I don't think there is it's a Houston ass. How accent. I talk, it's honestly. Just how you talk, yeah. yeah. So just out, y'all have a conversation about that. Later, later, <laughs> we're good. Later. We're not. We're not, not role now, playing no, this later, out. Later. <laughs> Twelve p.m. I, CBS. I don't even know how I would imitate a Houston accent. It's just, <laughs> just how I talk. talk. Yeah, just <laughs> talk. <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals at Baltimore Ravens. Oh man! Last week I picked against the Ravens and it burned me. This week they go up against Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. But the Ravens are at home. I'm going to take Lamar Jackson to clutch this one out just like he did last week. And they blew out the Chargers, I believe. I don't think the Bengals are that good. They're 4-2, but I don't think they've played anybody. They ain't played nobody, Paul. They ain't played nobody. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens to win this one as well. The Ravens are favored by 6.5 points in Baltimore, so I have a hard time picking against that. I really do. And Joe Burrow's still a little bit turnover prone. I think he's got seven picks on the year, so he's averaging at least one a game. That could be the difference. You can't do that on the road. Last game here before we go to break. Philadelphia Eagles at Las Vegas Raiders, 3.05 p.m. Fox. I want to pick the Eagles, but last week I picked the Raiders to lose, and my reason being is they are without their head coach, but they found a way to win against the Broncos. I think the Eagles are on a similar tier. Give me the Raiders at home. I want to go back to the Broncos-Browns now. If the Broncos couldn't find a way to beat the team that didn't have their coach, I still feel comfortable picking the team without players to beat the Broncos. <laughs> what's more what's more important in the NFL, the coach or the talent? I, I think they're about the same. I mean, if you lose too much of one, you're going to be in trouble. I think if you lose the head coach, that's going to hurt you. If you lose too much talent, that's also going to hurt you. So you're right. But um, I'm going to take the Raiders to win this one. They, they seemed to rally last week. I, at some point, this thing is going to fall apart for Las Vegas as the schedule gets tougher. But 
Right now, I don't think it's going to come at the hands of Jalen Hurts and the Eagles as that offense sputters. So I'm going to take the Raiders at home in this one. Uh, so yeah, no more time for any more picks here, Lance. Uh, how you feeling about your picks at this point? I am 38 and 23. Like we mentioned earlier, you were 37 and 24. The fact, again, I'm in, I've mentioned it. I think every single time we've made picks, the fact that I'm above 500, I think, is a mirror. <laughs> so good on me. 38 and 23. I'll take it. We'll have a handful of other picks coming up at the end of the show, but coming up next, we talk about the Big Ten Conference, contenders or pretenders. We break it down when we come back. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama going to get to our segment we had kind of teased going into break contenders or pretenders we're going to go through some big 10 teams that are ranked there are six of them and we're going to ask the simple question are they contenders or are they simply pretending and they're not legitimate at all do you want to start at the top of the list or you want to start at the bottom and work our way up let's start at the bottom and work our way up all right the entire list is pretending just want to get out there let's go ahead and get into it though look i'll be real i just have one contender on this list really okay wow so my joke actually landed uh number 25 purdue are they contenders or are they simply pretending and because they beat a an iowa team that we'll get to in a second uh they are they are ranked and everybody's kind of like ooh purdue now you know the answer i know the answer i know but both of these teams are are not are not very good i think purdue is very much so a pretender and uh the fact that they uh were able to get a win over iowa congrats to them Iowa's done some good things this season. You went on the road. You blew them out, in essence. Uh, you forced them into turnovers, whereas most most teams so far this season have uh, turned the ball over against Iowa. Good for you, Purdue. You're not making the playoff. You're not even clo- getting close to sniffing it. The fact that you're in the top 25 right now is just is 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 a is just going to be a very brief moment. By the way, you get Wisconsin this weekend at home. You're not even favored in that game. You're, you're favored to lose by three and a half points, I believe. So... Purdue, this uh, this little stretch here for for uh, Purdue, I believe, is going to die pretty quickly. I'll say this: I think Purdue does beat Wisconsin this weekend. I think they go on. Uh, look, Purdue, I think, is a good football team. They've just got such a difficult schedule left. They got to go on the road to Nebraska. They've got two games against ranked opponents, as in Michigan State and Ohio State. That was what they drew from the other side. It's a tough schedule down the stretch, but they are tied for first in the Western Division with that win over Iowa. They still do kind of control their own destiny. Iowa's got a pretty easy schedule from here out as well, but they're one loss away. You see, and here's the other crazy part. Minnesota's the team that really does control their own destiny. I don't believe they've played Iowa yet. They haven't. That's coming up. I think Isn't that the Floyd of Rosedale game? I think that is. Sting would know. I would not. Well, that's coming up in four weeks. Minnesota beat Purdue by seven a couple weeks ago. If they win out, Minnesota's in the Big Ten title game. Oh, team that we wrote off after week one. That's that, and they'll get to play Ohio State again. And who's the fullback for Minnesota? That's you, Coquif. Coquif, Noah's favorite player. We'll get to see him yeah! round two against uh, Ohio State. That should be fun. Potentially, we actually we don't even know who's going to be playing uh, from that division. So if it, that's we, right, could be Penn State, could be Michigan, could be Michigan State, could be Ohio State. Who knows? Going to have to see, and we're just going to have to wait. Yeah, and Purdue though, if it wasn't, I think they're a good team though. They, I think they've outgained every single opponent that they played this year in terms of yardage. 
but at the end of the day that doesn't win you football games because they have lost two so there are two games where they have had less points on the scoreboard but they've got a good defense this is one of the better defenses in the league um i like this purdue team a lot but at the end of the day they've got to play some really good teams down the stretch i don't see them winning those games yeah i i agree with you there number 11 iowa the team that i mentioned just beat or just lost to purdue rather i'm gonna go ahead and say it they're pretenders as well they lost to purdue at home 24 to 7 if that isn't a big enough indication as to where they are right now and whether or not they're able to actually get to the playoff later on in the season i mean what else do you want at the, we, we said at some point Iowa could potentially trip up. I believe you said that, Noah, just a, a, a week or so ago on the show. It's like, I said it literally last week, like at and some, then bang, it happened. At some point, we're going to see Iowa trip up, and I think you actually said it's not going to be this game, but but hey, it's college bang. Fo- this this college football this year. It's how, it, it's how it's going on. So, yeah, pretenders, 100%. That offense has never really been there. The defense has been creating turnovers, but that doesn't last forever, and we saw that against Purdue this weekend. I think Iowa loses again in the regular season. Who they who they losing to? Uh, I think they could lose to Wisconsin in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm looking for teams that play good defense. I think Minnesota can beat them. I think Nebraska yeah. can beat them in yeah. the last game of the season, especially if Nebraska's fighting to get to a bowl game. Um, I don't think Illinois or Northwestern will beat them, but Northwestern's playing a lot better football recently. They're at 500 right now, believe it or not. Um, I, I'm looking at Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska which is an every other week kind of thing. But eventually this offense is going to lay another egg. And um, the fact that this offense has the potential to do what they did in the Colorado State game, do what they did in the Purdue game, they can lose any game left on their schedule. They really can. I think they do lose again. This team may not even make it to their own championship game. And it probably took some, um, it probably took some life out of them yeah. to lose last week. Number nine, Michigan State with Kenneth Walker, Peyton Thorne. They are just kind of stitching together wins. They are still undefeated. They will play Michigan, I believe, in just a couple of weeks, if I'm not mistaken. They don't play this weekend, but I think they play next weekend. It's not this weekend. Are they contenders or are they pretenders? I think everybody in this league is pretending right now with the exception of one. that This is not that one. Um, I think they're good, but um, beating Indiana by five doesn't give me a lot of confidence. I agree. Yeah, I think they're pretenders as well. Look, shout out to them for actually being able to kind of sustain uh, wins so, so far this season and kind of just propel themselves at the end of the day, getting an overtime win against Nebraska, clutching a win out against uh, Indiana, where I believe both of their touchdowns were, were non-offensive. I might be wrong on that, but I know one of them was for sure. Um, but yeah, shout out to Michigan State for getting it done. But they they are going to run into a much better team in their own division at some point. They will lose. Their last five games are ridiculously difficult. Home game against Michigan. They're at Purdue, which I do think I think they'll end up losing to Purdue. I think that that's a team where Michigan State may may have a good defense, but their offense is Iowa esque. They have the potential to struggle against teams that play good defense. Purdue, once again, one of those teams that plays really good defense. They host Maryland. They're at Ohio State, and then they host Penn State in the last week of the season. I think there's two losses there at some point. But the reason why I keep saying that there's really only truly one contender in the Big Ten, with Ohio State already having a loss, Michigan I don't think is as good as their undefeated record suggests. Penn State already has a loss. Iowa already has a loss. Purdue has two losses and Michigan State may be undefeated but once again all of these teams play each other. They do. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State all play each other and then you're playing either Iowa or Purdue or Minnesota on the other side and all of those teams are going to have more losses at the end of the year. There can only be one Big Ten team to make the, the college football playoff this year. 
I think the SEC has a much better shot to get two teams in than the than the Big Ten. And so when I'm saying are they contenders or pretenders, I'm saying for a college football playoff spot, and I think you can only possibly choose one of these teams. And at the end of the day, I've got one team of my mind who I think is going to make it, and it's not going to make people happy. But I'm going to tell you, Michigan State may be a good defensive team. They may be a great defensive team. But that offense is going to lose them a couple of games by the end of the year. I agree. I 100% agree with everything you said there. Number seven, Penn State. Are they contenders or are they pretenders? Pretenders. They still got to play Ohio State. They still got to play Michigan State. They got to play Michigan. They've already got a conference loss. One more loss for them takes them out. And uh, they're playing Ohio State on the road and they're playing Michigan State on the road. So there's potentially two right there in road games. Uh, they got Michigan at home. Also, think that, you know, just the way that they lost to Iowa and how bad Sean Clifford played makes me mad that Auburn lost to Penn State. It really does. I was like, you couldn't have played like that against Auburn. He had two picks. I know he got. I know that he got hurt in that ball game too, and they had to go to their backup. But still, I don't see this. This Penn State offense isn't much better than what it was last year. It is better, but it's not much better. And they don't have a running game to go and rely on consistently either to take some of that pressure off of Sean Clifford. I think they lose to Ohio State in a couple of weeks. Penn State is not the contender in this league. And also, uh, Sean Clifford right now. Uh, still not a hundred percent, and he most likely won't go against Illinois. Uh, this potential loss this Saturday, potential <laughs> loss. There you go. Right before you go on the road against Ohio State. Yeah, if you're looking ahead to Ohio State, Illinois might you might get a last gasp effort out of them with their season right now hanging by a thread. They're two and five, but they've been awful since week one against Nebraska. But you never know. Maybe Penn State's looking ahead. They're maybe their offense is so bad. I could see it happening. Yeah, my least favorite name in the world to pronounce: Arter Sitkowski the Illinois quarterback. What you got against my boy, Arter? Uh, it's difficult for me to pronounce because I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think Penn State's a contender either simply because they're banged up at the quarterback spot and they've got some really tough games to, uh, to play down the stretch. Number six, Michigan. I'm going to go ahead and assume that you think this team is a pretender. I do. Unless you shock me. Okay. I do think they're a pretender. Um, who have they played at this point? Nobody. Next next team. Best uh, best team they've played is Nebraska, right? Yeah, they only won by three. So they beat Washington, Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Those are the teams that you look at, and they're like, oh, they're somewhat decent. So Michigan is going to beat a lot of football teams this year. They're going to go ten and two, if not better. I, I I think they will end up losing to Ohio State at the end. Ohio State just going ahead and giving it away, and we'll get to them in a moment. I think they are the contender in this league. I think they will take that last playoff spot. I expect Ohio State to win out. Um, if they don't, does you know what does the Big Ten look like at the end of the year? What if everybody in the Big Ten ends up with two losses? What if that happens? That's a real scenario. I think we're looking at it's a reality. And it's, it's and at that point, reality. I think Cincinnati makes the playoff, which would make me sad. But. Um, the last six games for Michigan, you got Michigan State in there. You got Indiana, who is going to give them a tough time, I think. They got Penn State on the road. They got Ohio State at home. So, I, you know, the thing about them is they play a brand of football where if they have to come from behind, it ain't happening. They're very much like those Georgia teams. They're a lot worse than those Georgia teams, but they're, they are very much so like those Georgia teams that didn't have much of a passing game. But if they could beat you hat on hat, they were they were going to be able to win the football game and the thing is we'll know a lot more about Michigan Michigan State when those two teams play because once again neither of those teams have played anybody at this point when those two teams play we're going to figure out just how good those teams are hat on hat because they play the game similarly the thing is I think Michigan State has the better passing game Um, so Michigan State I think at this point is more of a contender than Michigan is I believe but 
I still don't think Michigan State's good enough to beat Ohio State um, and one loss for Michigan State if Ohio State wins out it pretty much rules them out it's just there's there's such of a mine laden schedule left for all these teams and I don't I don't think Michigan survives it either Michigan yeah I agree I just don't think that they're going to be able to simply survive it even though they still have an opportunity to beat Ohio State for the first time in, in what feels like forever uh, they'll still be able to potentially prove themselves on the road against Michigan State Penn State those should be competitive games I think they'll win I think they'll win at least one of those if they win two of those I think it's really impressive so I it's still content or pretenders rather because at the end of the day I don't see this team making the playoff but uh, I'm in, I'm impressed with what Michigan's been able to do in terms of bouncing back from what was a, a subpar uh, 2020 campaign. Final team here, number five, Ohio State. You have them as contenders, yes? Yeah, but I still it's kind of like borderline also pretending also. I almost said everybody in this league was pretending. I think that the Big Ten is the fakest conference right now in college football. They have been reveling in the fact that they've got all these teams ranked inside the top 11. Nobody's ranked outside of that other than Purdue at 25. They've been reveling in it, but that's because they've just been beating up on each other. If I got to play Northwestern every week, I would be at I would be undefeated too, you know, but I don't get to play Northwestern in Illinois and Minnesota every week. I got to play Ole Miss and Arkansas and LSU and Alabama and Georgia. I got to play the buzzsaws of the country, you know. It's like the Big Ten's just been beating up on the bad teams in the league and the good teams haven't played each other yet. And Ohio State losing to Oregon damages their playoff hopes significantly because I think they could have taken a loss down the stretch here and still made the playoff. But now I'm looking at it. They've got to host Penn State. They've got to go to Nebraska. They've got to host Purdue. They've got to host Michigan State. And then they've got to go to Michigan. Over their last six games, they play five ranked teams. I think, or excuse me, they got to play four ranked teams. I think Ohio State's got another loss on the schedule. Now, all of a sudden, they're two losses, and then they're probably out of the playoffs. So I know I've got them as a contender. I think that, you know, out of all the teams that could go undefeated down the stretch, I think it's Ohio State. So if I had to name one team to be a contender, it would be Ohio State. But man, this league, like, the more and more that I look at it, it does anybody come away with less than two losses? No, they're probably going to beat themselves up. And then does the Big Ten get in? No, there will be four SEC teams, and we'll just <laughs> call it. We will call it a day. Yeah, I mean, like, how is this playoff going to look? Because the Pac-12 seems like they're all but out of it, but they've got a one-loss team still in there with Oregon. I don't think that they're too far away. The Big 12's got a couple undefeateds. I think the Big 12 looks great to make it. So you got an SEC team, you got a Big 12 team. Cincinnati may make it, and then is it a second SEC team, or does the Big 12 get in? It's like 2017 all over again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the playoff looks like. I'll go ahead and say it for all the reasons that you listed. It's a reason why I have Ohio State as a pretender uh, because of two reasons. Number one, like you mentioned, they still have to play four ranked teams in Penn State, Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan. I question the legitimacy of the of those ranked teams, whether or not they're truly quality opponents as much as their ranking suggests but I still think there's opportunity for uh for Ohio State to lose one of those games uh but even though two of them are are at home but I'll also say that they have two other road games outside of the Michigan game at the end of the season at Nebraska and at Indiana and as we know with this Ohio State team doesn't matter if Urban Meyer's coaching doesn't matter if Ryan Day's coaching doesn't, didn't matter if I was coaching they are good for one loss every single year outside of the COVID year last year, which I discount, for a random loss to either a 500 or a below 500 team that they don't just lose, they get blown out in. 
And I think that if you're an Ohio State fan, you have to be concerned going on the road to Indiana and to Nebraska. Nebraska is way more competitive than they were last season. I'm not saying that they're going to lose these games. I'm just saying this entire back half of the schedule, I think they have an opportunity to lose every single one of these games. I'm not counting them any of these win, any of these games as like definite wins. They're going to have to go out there and prove it to me. So in my mind right now, they are pretenders until they prove to me that they can get through this schedule because look at the teams they played in the first half. After they lost to Oregon, they played Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland. They're going to have to prove some things to me. Right now, they're pretenders in my mind. I'll tell you, though, they're passing the eye test. They are. They're massacring teams. So that's the other thing is I'm like, is Ohio State back? Like, did they figure things out? Because they weren't overly physical in the first couple weeks. It's like, did they grow up a little bit in the trenches? Like, they got a good running game with Davion Henderson. He's one of the best freshmen in the country. And then, or Travion Henderson, excuse me. And I think they've got things going right with their quarterback position. You could pick any one of those guys to play quarterback and they'd probably be good, whether it's Quinn Ewers or C.J. Stroud or whoever the third guy is that nobody knows his name. Um, I mean, they, they, they have a really difficult schedule down the stretch, maybe more difficult than any of the other teams because they've got to play Purdue as well. But um, they also, I think, are the most talented group of those teams. And they're look, passing the eye test right now, whereas the other teams aren't doing that as well ohio state indiana is another game this week that i'm looking at to see all right how good is this ohio state team how far have they come are they or if they blow indiana out i know indiana's not great but michigan state and michigan didn't you know michigan state didn't blow indiana out you know there's a couple teams in the big 12 in the big 10 who didn't blow indiana out it's like right. cincinnati didn't do it it's like if ohio state doesn't then i'm like all right i know that the law of syllogism doesn't apply but It'll at least kind of tell us a little bit more about OSU. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we wrap up our NFL picks. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line. I'll be off work tomorrow, just letting everybody know that. But Lance is going to have the place covered with Christian Clemente and Jacob Hillman tomorrow. It'll be a fun show. We're going to throw down tomorrow. It's going to be a free-for-all Friday. If you want to call in and give your thoughts tomorrow, go ahead and save this phone number uh, in your contacts, 334-321-1390. If you want to call in, talk about anything sports-related, we'll probably be screaming for the first 15 minutes of the show talking about how the Braves are going to the World Series. But if you want to talk about anything Auburn-related, anything Braves-related, Make sure to call in. We'll talk a little Auburn basketball as well because that's all I do with Christian is just kind of hype myself up on this basketball team. It's going to be a fun show tomorrow. You're going to love it. All right, we just got two minutes here to get through our last three NFL picks, so we got to go quick, Lance, all right? All right, I'm ready. Chicago Bears at Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 325 p.m. CBS on Sunday. Bucks next game. Yeah, that's yeah, easy. It, well, the Buccaneers. Chicago just simply doesn't have enough offense, I don't feel no. like, especially not on the road against Tom Brady, who is dealing right now. And also had a week and a half of rest because the last time we played was last Thursday night yes. against the Eagles. Indianapolis Colts at San Francisco 49ers, Sunday night football, 7.20 p.m. NBC. I'm going to go with the Colts in this one, even though I don't feel great about picking uh, Carson Wentz, who has been playing like he, he is made of glass so far this season. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Colts on the road against the 49ers. Man, you and I have picked differently several times. This is going to be uh, kind of a make-or-break week for us in the standings where it's been very close. This is going to be where I get back under 500. <laughs> this is like a six-point game in a basketball game where someone's holding the basketball, where one of the teams is holding the basketball. It's like six points is a massive difference. And unfortunately, I have seen a lot of those games. It's a tough game to call. I'm going to go 49ers. Both team, This is like the same disappointing team in both leagues. Like The Colts are the Niners. Like, they're both equally disappointing in their own conference in this football league. 
Um, I'm going to take the 49ers because I think the defense is a little tighter, though, than the Colts. They've played some really good teams over the last three weeks, like the Cardinals and the Rams, and they've hung with them. They just didn't have the offense to beat those squads. I think they've got the offense to beat the man of glass, as you said, Carson Wentz. <laughs> last game here, New Orleans Saints at Seattle Seahawks, 7.15 p.m. ESPN. Saints go marching in, and they defeat the Geno Smith-led Seahawks. We agree on this one. I'll take Jameis Winston. This just isn't a good enough defense for me to feel like that. Jameis Winston in New Orleans is going to be troubled, whereas the Saints defense is enough to trouble Geno Smith, who has played pretty well, though. I got He's had some very unfortunate things happen to him recently, but I have to add this. The Seahawks lost to Noodle Arm, Lance. Noodle Arm. There are repercussions him. for this, <laughs> and that means I do not pick you this week. There is punishment, meaning you will <laughs> never win another game in your entire life. Go home. <laughs> Saints win. So that's it for our Sunday showdown. Lance, what you got going on tonight, man? Well, I am going to be just doing a little bit of graphic work, and then I'm going to be watching the Braves game uh, this week. And I want to remind everybody, by the way, I've been trying to remind everybody throughout this week, we're going to have Braves coverage right here on ESPN 106.7. I believe the game is at 7. So if you're, if you're listening to The Drive, stay tuned. As soon as it ends at 6, just keep listening, and we will have Braves coverage uh, starting at 7 p.m. Enjoy your smorgasbord of sports tonight. College football, NFL, Braves baseball, NBA, all the good stuff this afternoon and into this evening. We'll see you tomorrow. You know where to find us.